0: Good morning Good to see you all here this morning. Uh, was there anything this past week that caused you to worry? Anything at all? Uh, we have to worry about things from time to time, don't we? There are things in life that cause us to be stressed and cause us to worry. But the Bible tells us about the fact that we have no reason to be anxious or to worry based upon the relationship we have with Jesus Christ and Him being our Savior. I read an article this week. And it, uh, so, so this idea that we're going to talk about this morning isn't obviously original to me, but we want to talk this morning about five things that God's children should never worry about. Uh, and so we want to spend some time talking about that today. Now, there are things that are common to all people that do cause us to worry from time to time, but the child of God shouldn't worry like those of the world. And that, that's really our, our point. In Philippians 4, In verse 6, Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And so Paul said, Be anxious for nothing. Uh, Paul penned these words, it's interesting, while he was in prison. Not really sure what was going to happen to him as his life progressed. And so he could continue on in life or he could have been executed, he just didn't know. But when he was in prison and that was his situation, he wrote, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry for anything, but give it to God. Pray to Him and cast your cares upon Him. You know, in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus famously uh, said, "...therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need of these all these things." But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so Jesus said, "Don't worry, don't worry." The Gentiles seek after these things. Uh, God's going to take care of you if you seek Him first. Therefore, do not worry. That's what that's what Jesus said. He recognized that God cares for those who are His. Uh, and so again, as we want to make the point, make sure we understand. Jesus uh, knew that there were affairs of life to worry about. Uh, and there were things that we should be concerned about. But he said in the grand scheme of things, you don't have to worry like those of the world. And so with that all being said, let's talk about five things that God's children should never worry about. There are five things. There's probably a whole lot more. But we want to talk about five that God's children should never worry about. All right. In the first place, uh, one of the things that we should never worry about is being forsaken. We should never worry about being forsaken by God. There's no danger of that happening. So there's no use spending time worrying about it. Will God forsake me? He, He will not forsake one of his faithful children. In Hebrews 13, beginning at verse 5, the Hebrew writer said, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. In this life, we know that uh, there are things that uh, cause us to fear sometimes. Man, my writing's bad. Cause us to fear sometimes. We may think, there's people that could do me harm. There's a lot of trouble in this life. But the Hebrew writer said, uh, God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It, he, he made that promise and it won't happen. So the Hebrew writer indicates that we are not to be covetous with regard to our behavior. We shouldn't be jealous about what others have because we recognize what we have. I shouldn't be jealous about what the world may have because I've got God promising me that He's never going to forsake me. And so the reason that I can be content up here with the things that I have is because of that promise and because of the relationship that we have with God. And so there's no need to think that God may leave. Uh, There are probably times, though, uh, that we turn ourselves away from Him and our iniquity creates some separation, but it can never be said that if God is not with us, it's God's fault. Have you thought about that? If you're if you're a child of God, it can never be said that it's His fault and that we're not in a relationship. It, it's only ours, uh, because for a faithful child, He's made the promise that He would never leave or forsake us. Uh, he is willing. He is capable to stay with us. He cares for us, and He won't leave us. That's comforting. In Philippians four, beginning at verse eleven, again Paul wrote the book of Philippians and. He said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Over the years, it's always interesting how people use Philippians 4 verse 13. There's a context to Philippians 4 and verse 13. Uh, Paul was not talking about excelling on the football field. He was not talking about being able to uh, uh, hit home runs or uh, shoot basketball when people say, I can do all things through Christ. And, and that's not what he was talking about. Uh, Paul was talking about that whether he had a little bit or a lot, whether he was in prison or free... Uh, through Christ, he had everything he needed to get by. No matter his circumstances, Paul knew that God would always be with him. And so that's what he's talking about here. So he's learned to be able to deal with, uh, all these circumstances in life, whether he, uh, whatever state he's in, he said, I've learned to be content. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Uh, I've learned to be full, to be hungry. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The, the point there was he can deal with anything in life because he knows that God is on his side. He's not going to get to a point where God is going to forsake him or not be there for him. And so he said, knowing that, I can do everything no matter what circumstance I'm in. Paul knew that God would always be with him. Uh, what about in Romans 8, beginning of verse 31? Uh, there the Bible says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Uh, And so, again, knowing that God uh, is always with us, it doesn't matter who stands up against us. I really like that. If God's for us, who can be against us? Well, there's nobody. There's no adversary out there that uh, can really cause us harm because God's with us. Uh, And he said we're more than conquerors, Paul said, uh, through Jesus who loved us. And so we have no reason to worry that that God may leave us because He never will. And that ought to give us great comfort. That is something that as a child of God, you never have to worry about being forsaken. And you know, another thing that we never have to worry about is feeling useless. Have you ever felt useless? Uh, I guess maybe at at times, uh, we as Christians feel useless. Uh, Maybe within the local congregation, somebody feels like they have a lack of talent uh, or maybe uh, there is an age or a health issue, and they feel like you know I'm just I'm just useless. There's nothing I can really do or con- contribute, and so some circumstance make them feel useless. I, I can't really do anything, but you don't have to worry about that uh, because we all has we all we all have value as children of God. Uh, there's something that each one of us can do, and so you're you're thinking, or maybe I'm thinking, well I'm not that talented. What what can I do? One of the things that was looked upon as being important in the first century was hospitality. I think that's an important point to make. And in First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, listed among the qualifications of elders. So, you know, in, in my mind we're thinking qualifications of elders, these are the most strict, these are the most important. This is, this is what we're, we're seeking to achieve, uh, to have these type of qualifications. It says, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Uh, so, a person, now, not all of us are going to be qualified to be an elder. Uh, but these are some good things to think about, regardless whether you're going to serve in that capacity. Being blameless, uh, sober-minded, good behavior, able to teach. Those are all good good qualifications. But listed among that is being hospitable. And that really stood out to me. An individual to serve in that capacity... Uh, must be one that uh, is hospitable. What kind of talent, though, does it take to be hospitable? I know it's always good to go to somebody's house and eat good food, and I know we've got a lot of good cooks here, and there's people that have nice homes here to invite us into. But really, what kind of talent does it take to invite somebody over? uh, That's not a very high on the scale of being talented, right? That's just putting forth effort. And so feeling feeling useless should never be the case, because you don't there's people that are more talented than me for sure. There's people that are more talented than you, but we can all do something. And that's something that we can all do. And we don't have to feel useless. In uh, James 1 in verse 27, uh, James says pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James talks about the practice of pure and undefiled religion, and he in part as the physical vision uh, of the fatherless and widows. What kind of talent does that take? That's a, a very important work and a, a very caring job, a very loving job to do. But that's something that everybody can do. We can all do those kind of things, referencing benevolent work on their behalf. There's a lot that we all can do, and so you should never feel useless. If we're feeling useless, we're probably not thinking about all the things that we actually can do. We're probably focusing on the things that we can't. We shouldn't ever feel useless in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 23, uh, in the context here, Paul is referencing each individual in a local church, uh, and he's sort of paralleling that to uh, an individual member in the body. And so he says, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, and there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Alright, so, the body. Well, there's some eyes, there's a nose, a couple of ears, other various aspects of our physical body. Each of those things are beneficial. Uh, and even with members of the body, those parts that require modesty and honor, they are main things that we want and need. I and mean, that's what Paul's talking about. It's part of the body. And he uses that illustration to bring out the concept of worth uh, to each individual Christian. So basically, he says, uh, we often pay more attention to uh, those parts that are more obvious or have less need. We often talk about members in the congregation that have needs. We place emphasis on young people. And and, and we should do that. We place emphasis on those that, that need encouragement. We pay attention to individuals that have more needs that need to be taken care of. Uh, The reason why that's so important and why we do that is because it brings us together instead of separating us. That word uh, schism there that Paul uses means division or gap. He said there shouldn't be any division, shouldn't be any gap, shouldn't be any schisms in the body. Uh, All the members should have the same care for one another. And so the least presentable parts of the body should receive the greater attention... And honor and modesty. Uh, and those that are lesser are elevated. Those that are greater should be diminished. And so that there's no division. That's what, that's what Paul talked about there. And so what does all that mean? If you boil that all down. Well, we're all important. We're all important. All the members, all the parts of the local body, the church are important. And that's what gives us uh, and causes us to have unity. Nobody should think they're more important. Nobody should think they're not important. Uh, none of us should think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Uh, and so we each have value. We each have purpose before God. And so one of the things that we should never have to worry about is feeling useless. You know, another thing that we should never worry about, five things that God's children should never worry about. One of those is the future. Now bear with me here just a minute. We're going to talk about the future. It's something we never should worry about. Uh, as a child of God, you shouldn't have to worry about what comes next. There's no need to worry about it. With that being said, I understand the need for preparation. Uh understand the concept of life insurance. I have life insurance. I understand that concept. I understand the concept of saving for a rainy day. Uh, that's probably needed now more than, than than ever, being able to to save a little money. I understand that. I understand about investing and preparing for the future. With all that being said, though, we're talking about anxiety and worry. We're talking about worrying to the degree that God won't care for us as He's promised. I mean, staying awake at night, worried about what's going to uh, come for us. There's plenty of passages that talk about uh, the established truth about the future. In this article that I read, one of the ones that was mentioned is Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. I want to read Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 10, and read to verse 13. It says, Thus says, says the Lord... After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I see that verse, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven used a lot. But God made a promise uh, through the prophet Jeremiah concerning captivity in babylon that's what's being talking about here after 70 years at babylon god's chosen people were going away into captivity but a promise had been made to them and the promise was that a remnant of god's people would return to the land to possess it again Uh, and what a wonderful promise that god made toward the children of israel that's what's being talked about here that they had a future there was going to be uh, uh god had thoughts of peace and not evil to give them a future and a hope even though things were really bad right now, the, the foreseeable future did not look good. But God promised to them, you know, I'm still thinking about you. And the thoughts I have are of peace. And the thoughts I have are to give you a good future and hope. Uh, that's the nation of Israel, though. Uh, what about us? Well, uh, pr- promises like that are made not only to the children of Israel, but to spiritual Israel under the new covenant. We talked about this in in our class, the class that I taught this morning, the the church today. We're we're spiritual Israel. There's been promises made to us, and when God thinks about us, His thoughts aren't evil. When He contemplates us, His purpose isn't to destroy us. Uh, and it's that's a wonderful thought. You know, if we if God just zapped us the first time we did wrong, we'd all be in bad shape. In fact, none of us would be here. That's not what God's thoughts are toward us. Uh, he has good for us. He's made promises to us, uh, and. So even these people, God's people, were being taken into captivity. He still loved them. Some had turned from God. All would be led away into bondage. But promises were made that peace, hope, and a future would be returned to those that love him. And that's the same that's true for us today. In John 14, beginning at verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's promises made by God. uh, And Jesus uh, here talks about some of those. He said, you believe in God, believe also in Me. He's going to prepare a place for us. uh, And He said, I will come to Myself. Jesus made a promise. He doesn't desire destruction, but eternal good standing with Him. That's what He wants. Uh, And if we'll believe on Him, if we'll obey Him, we'll have that. And so we ultimately don't have to worry about the future. Uh, When our lives come to an end here, we're promised as children of God to spend eternity with Him. In Matthew 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, Jesus' disciples had fear of people doing physical harm to them. That was a real danger. There was people potentially threatening their lives and actually they, uh, they would go on and, and be tortured and they would die uh, deaths by people that would do them harm. That was a real potential for them. When Jesus said these words, it wasn't just you know something that sounded good and, and felt good. I mean, it was real for them. There was people that wanted to do them harm, but he said, don't fear people that can kill the body, but you need to be fearing the one that can kill the soul. Uh, he is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who you need to really worry about. So Jesus is saying, it's kind of hard to think about, but what Jesus was saying was, so if they kill you, okay, they've killed your body. But they can't take your soul from you. That, that'll be in God's hands. Uh, now, he didn't say be irresponsible and set yourself up for failure. You know, uh, His point was they needed to see the big picture. Dying physically uh, with life eternal waiting wouldn't be that bad in the long run. And that's the concept that we, we need to try to grasp. But dying physically with eternal separation from God waiting would truly be a great loss. That's what Jesus was talking about. And so we don't have to worry about the future if we're faithful children of God. And so so don't misunderstand my point there about the future. I I do. I understand. I know the concept of insurance. I know there are things that may keep us up at night. And we have worries. We worry about our children. We worry about uh, the things going on in our country. I know that. I understand. But as as a faithful children of God... We don't need to worry about the future because the end for us, regardless what happens here, the end for us will be looking forward to heaven. And so we don't need to worry about the future. You know, the fourth thing that we could say that a child of God should never worry about is bothering God with prayer. Bothering God with prayer. We should never worry about bothering God. Uh, God desires for us to communicate with Him. Uh, and I don't think, really, I don't think a lot of people understand the nature of communication with God. I've heard people say, I need to, I need God to tell me how to approach this situation in my life. I'm going to pray and ask God to uh, tell me what to do in this situation. God's communicated to us through His Word. He's told us all that we need to know already. We've already got that. That communication has been done on God's part. He's spoken to us through His Word. But our need to communicate back to Him is continual, ongoing, never-ending. And so from day to day when we talk to God, uh, He's always ready to listen. That's really amazing to think about. But we don't need to worry about bothering God with prayer. That's what He wants. Do you remember the, uh, this parable that Jesus told in Luke 18, beginning at verse 1? It says, Then He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge... "...who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily." This is the parable of the unjust judge. This widow went to the judge. He didn't care anything about God and he didn't care anything about her or anybody else. And she asked him, uh, I need justice uh, for my adversary. He didn't want anything to to do with that. He wasn't here. But she kept coming and she kept coming and he had decided, she's troubling me. Uh, And so because she's troubling me, I'm going to avenge her because really I guess she's getting on my nerves. I don't want to keep hearing her. But Jesus' whole point was, hear what the unjust judge said. He says, shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with him. So I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Jesus' point was, the unjust judge didn't care about this woman, but he answered her because she was getting on his nerves. But God's not like that. He said, God wants you to cry out to him day and night, and he will take care of you speedily. And so that's really important. Uh, The judge answered not because he cared, because he didn't Mm -hmm. want to listen to her. God's going to answer because he actually cares. Uh, God wants us to uh, pray to him. He wants those who love him uh, to pray to him and speak to him often. And he is willing and able to listen. Can you imagine the capacity of, of God to answer prayers? Probably all of you, like me, have gotten calls from some call center, probably about your car's extended warranty. And I just try to picture what kind of little room they're sitting in and how many calls they can field or how many calls they can put out. And you think, you know, there's only so many. Surely they only have so many people and there's only so many calls they can take in or call out at a time. But you know, God's capacity for all of His children could be praying at at once and He's still got the capacity to hear that. He's not going to be overwhelmed. He's not going to get annoyed with us. He wants us to pray to Him. He knows our needs, our discouragements, our weaknesses, our desires. And He's got the capacity to hear and answer any and all Prayers that are offered to Him. And that's that's a really wonderful thing. We couldn't pray so much that it overwhelms God. In 1 Peter 5, beginning at verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. So, I know we know this verse well, but cast all your care upon Him. Give Give it all to God. Cast it all upon Him. Now, the first part is important, I think. Humble yourselves. Uh... Realize how much we depend on God, then cast all your care upon Him. We know the verse when we talk about prayer, we mention a lot, is First Thessalonians 5, verse 17. just says, pray without ceasing. Uh, Paul, an inspired man, said we ought to be praying continually. That ought to be a practice that we're engaged in very often. And so our prayers aren't annoying to God. Uh, maybe I'm praying for something and He doesn't want to hear me anymore. But that's not the case. God wants us to pray to Him. And He is willing and able to listen and answer. And so one thing that we should never worry about is bothering God with prayer. Alright, that's four. The fifth thing is feeling unforgiven. Five things that God's children should never worry about. And one of those is feeling unforgiven. We should never worry about not being forgiven. Maybe... If we have a misunderstanding of grace, it can make us feel that way. Uh, God has made promises concerning our forgiveness. And the fact that we can be forgiven of sin is a steadfast promise. It's a sure promise. We'll look at First uh, John 1 and verse 9. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So part of that confession... Uh, must include a penitent heart uh, it isn 't really all spelled out here, but uh, if we confess our sins, part of that we need to be genuine in that we need to have a, a heart that recognizes that we 've done wrong, we acknowledge our sin before God, we want to turn away from our sin, we have you know godly sorrow that leads to repentance. that person can have confidence that their sins are forgiven because if we confess them, he is faithful and just to forgive them and to cleanse us from. All unrighteousness. Uh, and so the person that does this can have confidence that their sins are forgiven. You don't have to feel unforgiven. Uh, when a person meets these conditions, there's absolutely no reason to think, you know, I don't know if God's forgiven me or not. He may still be holding that against me. Now, we've got a promise here that He's going to forgive us. And I think maybe sometimes we project our own limitations upon God. Maybe in our lives we're slow or unwilling to forgive uh, and we have experiences with the unwillingness of others to forgive us. And so we think, well, God's probably that way. Now, I've already asked Him for forgiveness a hundred times, two hundred times, a thousand times. He's probably done. He's probably reached His limit. and He is tired of me messing up and He's tired of me asking Him for forgiveness. But that's not the case. John said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to feel Unforgiven. We can be assured of the fact that forgiveness that He promised is given to us. He's faithful to forgive. All right. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, Paul there wrote, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. I know those are verses that we all know well, but we've got the forgiveness of sins. In Him... Through His blood. That's what Jesus died for. To forgive us of our sins. If we meet the conditions, He's going to come through on the promise and we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to feel unforgiven. So there's five things that God's children should never worry about. Five things that a faithful child of God should never worry about. That's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there's probably dozens more things that we can think about. Uh, But here's five for your consideration uh, this morning. I want to close... By looking back at Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. In Philippians 4, beginning at verse 6, remember when Paul wrote these words, he was imprisoned, not knowing what was going to happen in his life, not knowing if he's going to be killed or if he's going to be let go, or how things how things will work out. Paul was in a bad situation, but he said, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God." And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We've got a tendency to be anxious from time to time. But whatever's troubling you, if God made promises about it, we can rest assured that He's going to keep His promises. If you're concerned about your standing with God this morning, the promise has been given to you that if you'll confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive them. So if you're a child of God and you're concerned that you've fallen away, that promise was made and you don't have to feel unforgiven. You can follow through on your end of the deal, and God will follow through on His. If you confess your sins, He'll forgive you. This morning, if you're not a child of God, a promise has been given to you as well. Uh, and that promise is that if you uh, will repent and be baptized, that He will wash your sins away. And so have you done those things? or Are you in need of making sure your life is right with God? One of the things that we need to mention is that if you're not a faithful child of God, those promises aren't for you. You should worry about those things. But if you are a faithful child of God, if you're in good standing with Him, these are things that we don't have to worry about. If you have a need this morning, the invitation uh, is available for all. Come forward while we stand and while we sing.